Welcome to the Summit Student Podcast. My name is Josh Stone. We're so excited that you're here to listen today. As we continue to change things up a bit, uh, this week we are sharing with you a message recorded from the Summit meeting on April 28th, where we talk about pulling back the curtain on the church. We hope that as you listen, that you can better discover how your real life intersects with God's story. Shout out to Rad Dad for the awesome tunes. What we are talking about tonight is the church. So we're pulling back the curtain on the church. And, and uh, we have a slide up here that has a QR code. If you want to um, go to that and you want to download uh, tonight's uh, message notes from Google Drive, uh, you can do that. And there's also the small group questions that we're using. So you can't edit the doc exactly where it is, but you can download it into your own drive and do that. Um, each week, we've been talking about pulling back the curtain. So if you guys remember, pulling back the curtain on something, we might see something on stage. We might see something and have an idea of what it actually is. But when we go backstage, when we pull back the curtain, when we see things like at a deeper, closer look, things are a little bit more than they appear. They're usually more complex. They're usually a little bit more difficult to understand or, or to like talk about, but it makes them actually better that they're not so simple. Um, And so we've looked at at pulling back the curtain on God and how he's more than just a judgmental, justice-focused God, but he's a God who cares and loves and that he cares so deeply about justice that he would send him his son to die for us. So you have a tension of grace and justice and both things that we want too, right? Um, we, we talked about humanity last week and, and pulling back the curtain on that and how we're more than just broken people and we're more than just like, you know, everything I want is good. But there's a tension to say that, hey, man, like God made you with the image of God inside of you, that you bear his image and you have something great and unique and wonderful to offer and share and there's a holiness and there's a, there's, a, there's a dignity about you. But at the same time within all of us, there, there's these broken pieces that desperately need repair and saving and redemption and transformation. But those broken pieces can be made beautiful by God. And that is the hope. And tonight we're talking about pulling back the curtain on the church. And I think lots of times when we think about the church, we think about a couple, we think about it in kind of two simple ways, or at least what I hear a lot. One, and tell me, you know, if this like rings a bell, because I've definitely felt this before. Church is something that I have to do. (laughs) Anyone feel that way? I felt that way. Alicia's felt that way. Or or like, I have to go to church, right? Like, Like, we've all felt that whether it's because our parents like bring us here or like make us go or because like there's this like compelling nature about or like guilt trip that you give yourself, right? Like I have to go. The second thing that I think that we hear simply is that the church is about, is all about like getting things right. It's about always being right or it's about always like doing the right thing. I think those are two simple ways that we talk about the church, but I want to pull back the curtain on that a little bit more, and I want us to think about the fuller truths of what the church is and what that means. 
So to do that, I want to, to look at how Jesus addresses the church. And we're going to start by going to Matthew chapter 11. Um, in Matthew chapter 11, one of, at the very end, uh, verse ooh, is it 28, I believe. Matthew chapter 11, verse, we'll start in verse 26, 28, 28. Matthew eleven twenty eight. We'll go into, into chapter 12 as well. But Jesus is, is there and he says this. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It's like that first song we sing, right? Come as you are. Take my yoke upon, upon you and learn from me. That means like, like trust what I'm saying and, 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 and trust to follow me and, and learn how to live life from me. He says, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Who, who feels like they want rest? Like a deep rest. Not just like a, you know, I need to go take like a 30, 30 minute nap but like a rest, rest. You will find rest for your souls. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I don't know about you, but lots of times when I think about church and I think when we all think about church and I think when people who don't go to church think about church, they don't think that the burden is light. They think that it's a long list of commands of do's and don'ts and a long list of obeying and a long list of sacrificing and a long list of difficulties and a long list of hoops to jump through. You keep going in, in chapter 12, Jesus it keeps saying this, chapter 12, verse one, it says, at that time, so Jesus just said, my, my burden is light, right? My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Come follow me, you'll find rest. At that time, Jesus went out through the grain fields on the Sabbath. The Sabbath was the day of rest. Okay, Jesus says, I am rest, right? You'll find rest in me. Now they're going out into the day of rest, the grain fields. And the disciples were hungry. And so they began to pick some heads of grain, picking it off the, the wheat. And, and they, they ate them. When the Pharisees, these are the religious leaders of the day, like the pastors, the teachers, um, they saw this. They said to him, they said to Jesus, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. So on the Sabbath, it was a day of rest. And when you rest, you can't do any work, right? Otherwise, it's not rest. So they're saying, these guys are working. He answered, Jesus answered, haven't you read what David did when he, was, when, when he and his companions were hungry? He's going back to the Old Testament. He's like, haven't you guys read this? And the Pharisees, they would have read it because they actually memorized the whole Old Testament. All of the Hebrew scriptures they had memorized. He entered, David entered the house of God and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. So they did something that was unlawful on the, on the day of rest on Sabbath. Or, or haven't you read in the law that the priests on the Sabbath, on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? Okay, so like we're finding some like discrepancies here, like interesting, like there's some grayers, there's some not always black and white things. There's some not always you have to do this. He says, I tell you something greater than the temple is here. What he's talking about is himself. He's greater than the temple. He's greater than, than these things. Um, he says, if you had known what these words mean, this is the words, listen. This is a quote from the Old Testament, what God said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. He says, if you know what those words mean, that I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. 
for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from that place, he went to their synagogue, which is like their church, is their place of gathering, their place of teaching. And a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring uh, charges against Jesus, they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So these people, (laughs) these people, they bring Jesus a person who has a messed up hand, like probably born with a hand that is deformed. And they're trying to like trip Jesus up with this person and using this person as like a tool. How wicked is that? How like disgusting is that? And they say, so is it lawful then to heal on the Sabbath? And well, they're in their mind, their mode of thinking, they're like, well, like we're supposed to rest. We're supposed to not work. We're not, you know, we're not supposed to do anything. So like if Jesus says that it's lawful, that like he can heal on the Sabbath, then he must be like a terrible person. And Jesus said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? He's saying, okay, you don't want me to do it, but how about you? What do you do? (laughs) You pull out your sheep. You know, if your dog falls into a pit on Sunday, are you not going to like pick it up and save it? And then he says, how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, therefore it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and he was completely restored. Just as sound as the other, but the Pharisees went out and plotted how he might kill Jesus. Guys, I wasn't planning to cry. (laughs) We're talking about pulling back the curtain on the church. And there's ways that the church has hurt a lot of people. I'm sorry. There's ways that we have made laws and rules and we've treated those more than we've treated you guys. Better than we've, we've prioritized those things rather than prioritizing people. And what Jesus is saying here is that the laws that we set up to try to do the good things, to make sure we do the good things, those laws that we put in place, not that they're bad in and of of themselves, but when we prioritize those things over people who need help, who need healing, who need restoration, who need love, then we've got it backwards. We've got something messed up. And so Jesus is challenging the Pharisees in the way that they see the Sabbath. And I think in the same way, Jesus is challenging us in the way that we see church. You see, the Pharisees thought they knew what the Sabbath was all about. But Jesus wanted to pull back the curtain and say, you guys, the Sabbath isn't just about keeping the rules. The Sabbath is meant to be a gift to you. It's meant to be a gift of rest. It's meant to be something that lifts you up and makes you better and changes you and transforms you and causes you to depend on God. But instead, the Pharisees made it about the rules and making sure like this was a measure. If I were to do the things of of what it looked like to, to 
to rest, if I just do those things of what it looks like to rest, then I'm a good person. Anyone ever got a, a puppy before? Anyone ever had like a little puppy? Maybe you got it as a gift. Maybe it was something that like you were so excited for when you, you get excited, right? And are there, are there things you have to do for that puppy? What are some of the things you have to do for a puppy? Clean up its poop. What else do you have to do? Feed it, walk it, bathe it, maybe train it a little bit, right? Like learn, like keep it, like teach it how to go outside to go to the bathroom, right? Instead of inside. There's, there's lots of different things that you have to do for it. In the beginning, what's the gift? The gift is the puppy, right? We get this gift of a puppy and it's so cool. And we're so excited that we get, to, that we get this puppy. We're so excited that we get to take care of it, that we would be entrusted with that gift, that I would get to be in charge, that, that my parents would say like, wow, you can have a puppy if you take care of it. Like they trust me to keep this living being alive. Like, wow, that's so amazing. And by like week two, how many are tired of like taking the dog on a walk or bathing it or picking up its poop or feeding like how quickly does that change and then it becomes oh I have to take the dog out again and like uh I have to feed them again I have to get them more water are you serious I have to brush them again somewhere along the line that gift changed I think we've done the same thing for church where church was a gift that was given to the followers of Christ as a place where you can find encouragement, as a place where you can find love, as a place where you can grow, as a place where you can be accepted, as a place where you can find your purpose and belonging and your identity. But you know what? When you're part of that, it takes sacrifice. It takes courage to get up and meet new people. It, it's, it's hard to, to invest in other people. It takes energy and it takes time and it's hard for me to be vulnerable so that I can change or I can have those difficult discussions. It's hard for me to learn new skills so that I can make things happen. It's hard for me to, to give when I feel like I don't have a lot. But you know what? If it's a gift, you get excited about it. But after a time, we start making them things that we have to do. Things that we begin to then not only do we have to do it, but we begin to resent them. And we lose the vision of this gift that's been given us. And not only do we lose that vision, but then we, be, we, we do this weird thing. I don't know, I, I, I haven't thought all the way through this yet, but we do this weird thing of now, instead of like just enjoying this gift and doing these things to like fully enjoy this gift and, and re, like a puppy is great, right? You like, in all the good times, you get the, the great cuddles and you get a companion and like, you know, they're there for you and you can like go, you know, play with them outside and they bring you tons of joy. So there's great things that happen from it. But there's somewhere along the way when we get to like, oh, I have to, where we even start judging ourselves by if we're doing those things. You ever notice that? Like, like you forgot to feed your dog. Oh, I'm such an idiot. Or... Maybe you asked a sibling or someone to, you know, take the dog out to the bathroom and they didn't. And then they pooped or peed in the house. And then you're the one who has to clean it up. And then you judge them for it because they didn't do it. Rather than enjoying that gift still, 
then we start creating laws. We start creating these rules. We start creating these things by which we judge ourselves. Like if I'm doing a good job at like, you know, am I doing the right things to, to take care of this puppy? And sure, those things have to get done, right? Or else the dog dies. Like honestly, you need to feed the dog. <laughs> you need to not live in a house that's full of dog pee and poop, right? Like those things are important and healthy and like vital for life even. But we can make those things like the reason, what the, what the Pharisees were doing. The Pharisees were like, no, no, don't do any work. Don't, don't even like pick up a piece of grain so you can eat. Like what? Don't even help this man with a hurt hand. What? Don't even like... Don't even like take the dog out to the bath or whatever it is, right? Like, no, like we have to do things. So in some ways, yes, the church is something we have to do. It's vital. It's part of what brings us life. It's part of like where we find our change and our transformation, our encouragement and the passion to keep following and change the world with God. But it's not about the have to. As soon as we start making it about the have to, we start creating rules by which we can judge ourselves and judge our and judge one another. But that's not what the church is for. The churches that we get to, we get to be a part. Like this last song that we sung, we get to be a part of this kingdom that God is building, of the way that He wants to change the world. We get to be part of that. And you guys, if we can change our mindset on that, if we can start seeing it not as a set of rules, not as a have to, but as a get to, I, I, I can't imagine, we would see more creativity in this place. We would see more people doing things. We would, we would ourselves feel more connected. We would feel more alive. You would become more of who you were meant to be. Because each other would be calling out the good things and we'd be seeing the love of God through one another. Your friends would be drawn to this sort of thing. Who wants to go to a place where like, oh, I have to go and Josh said to invite friends, so I guess I will, but I don't really want it. Like who wants to be part of that? I don't want to be part of that. And if you guys feel that way, like, oh, I have to. I want to encourage you to try to think of it, oh, I get to. What's the good out of it? What's the gift in it? But you know what? There's moments where you feel too like, just don't want to. Tired. Need a rest. I can't keep serving. I can't keep doing this thing. It's okay to be real. It's okay to take a break. It's okay to be honest. It's okay to find grace. In a normal circumstance, when Jesus' disciples uh, picked the, the grain from the thing, like a normal circumstance, Jesus would, would say, no, like it's not, like, no, we're like on the way to like Denny's right now. We're going to go get food. You don't need to like break the Sabbath by like picking grain right now. You're just being selfish. Like, no. But in the moment where they were, in the, the story he was talking about David when he was famished and he was on the run and he needed that bread to survive, God's like, yes, of course. Guys, if you need to take a break to survive, yes, of course. God's grace for you. He has grace. And this is the, the last part of 
of the whole thing is that I know the church has hurt a lot of people. I'm sorry. That's what happens when broken people come together. <laughs> if we have broken people meeting up with more broken people, what, are we, what should we expect? <laughs> more brokenness, right? But where we will find some of that stuff, we will. That, that, that will be there. What's amazing that when you take broken people, meet them with more broken people, and you put Jesus in the center of it, that brokenness becomes transformation. It becomes healing. It becomes beauty. It becomes restoration. It becomes creativity. It becomes inclusion. It becomes a place where people belong. And so where there's brokenness, you guys, there's brokenness everywhere. I'm not excusing any brokenness or any wrong things that have happened to you through a church. That's just the tension that we live in. If we come to church expecting God to change us, and by church, I mean this group, not a building, or not a program, not a thing we do on Wednesday night or a thing we do on, on Sunday morning, but this group of people meeting together and engaging with God together, that's the church. It's coming together, that's the church. If we expect when we're in the middle of that, that, God, that we want God to change us, then we all come with the same idea and the same understanding that we're all broken and we need something to be changed. So please, if there's a way that I've hurt you, if there's a way that, that I've said something that was wrong or something damaging or something cruel or something hurtful, let me know because I want to change. But please, 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 please see that I am still broken and that I'm not perfect either. I still have things that I'm working on. And I hope that I can communicate that to you. And I hope that I help you feel that way too. I understand that we're all in that same place and that we all want Jesus to be working on things for us. And you guys, if we were to do this, we would see more empathy in the church. We would see more understanding. We'd see more talking to each other. We would see, we would see more passion come alive. We would see more, 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 more desire to bring our friends into what's happening. If this is truly a good thing, shouldn't our friends be part of it? Shouldn't our family be part of it? Shouldn't we want the world to be part of it? If we were doing this, we would see that we each have a part to play. Because we do. We didn't get into that scripture tonight, but you can go to it. We in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you read that, or Ephesians chapter 4, they have the beautiful description of how we are one body, one church, in one spirit, and we each have an important part to play, and we're all needed. Each of you guys have a talent, have an image of God that you bear, something that's special about you that God has given only you that you need to share with the rest of us because we won't be the full image of God to the world and, and being co-creators with him unless you're part of that. So as we go tonight, as we go into small groups, I want us to be talking about some of the brokenness that we see in church or maybe some of the ways that, we, that, that our friends or even ourselves feel about the church. I want us to think through, though, how have we been part of that brokenness? Because we have to be honest about ourselves, right? 
We have to be honest about ourselves. It can't just be all someone else. And let's start talking about like, what can we do better? What can we do better as individuals? And what can we do better as a youth group? You guys, I want you to be here because I think that God wants to do something very special with each of you and with us as a group. And I want you to want to be here. I never want this to feel like something you have to do. If you feel that way, I want to talk, to, I want to talk with you. And I don't want to convince you. I don't want the talk to be about convincing. I want it to be about listening and understanding because I'm not going to convince you of anything. I want God to be the one who speaks to you. I want your relationship to, for, with God to be the thing that draws you. Not me, not the vision I have, not the, not the lights or the sounds. I want that relationship and that desire for what God's doing to be what draws you. But you guys, this is gonna be messy and we need grace for it. We need grace for ourselves and we need grace for each other. I'm gonna end with one more thing, just a thought. I know I'm gone a long time, but this has been important to me. When I was in my early 20s, I know so long ago, um, I, was, I, went to, I went to college and studied the Bible, right? After that, I did graduate school. I was studying the Bible more, like studying like ministry and all that kind of stuff. And you know what? There was a time in, that, in, in grad school when I was getting my master's degree in this. I just felt like, you know what? I don't want to go to church. I think my parents had anxiety because of it. Like I was going to like grad school. I was like studying to be a pastor and I didn't want to go to church. And like, and there was probably a good like few weeks in a row where I didn't go to church. <gasps> but there was a lesson that I had to learn. And the lesson I had to learn was that this wasn't, it wasn't about going to church couldn't be just about going to church. Going to church had to be because I wanted to see what God was up to. So I challenge you guys. I challenge you to, to learn that. It might look different for everyone. It doesn't mean that, like, oh, don't come to youth group for the next three weeks. Great. We're going to have like no one here next, the next three weeks. Huh? But come not because you have to. Come because you're excited to see what God's going to do. And when you don't want to, ask for God's grace. Ask for God's grace to change your heart. Ask for God's grace for you to just say no for the night. Let him change you. Ask him to change your heart. God, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna go tonight, but God, I want to want to go, so change me. <laughs> I feel like that a lot. Let me pray first and we'll go to, to small groups. God, we want to want to be here. And I pray that you help us help that desire to be true. God, in those moments where we are hurt, where we feel tired, where we feel like we've been mistreated, Lord, we ask for your grace, we ask for your love, we ask for, your, for forgiveness when we've been part of those things to hurt others even. God, I pray that you help us to be open, honest in our small groups. I pray that you help us to see your vision for the church, what it could be and our part in it. God, we pray that your kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. We praise you that you ask us to be part of it and you empower us to make real change happen on this earth. Thank you, Lord, for your love and your trust in us. Jesus, we love and trust you in the same. 
In your name we pray. Amen. You draw pictures so lovely. Ink swirls and colors.